Jesus knew that his claim to be the divine Son of God would be met with opposition and skepticism. He didn't expect people to believe something that was irrational or unreasonable or without any kind of evidence. Therefore, he knew he had to present a compelling case for his claim if the divine Son of God, if God incarnate, had to defend his message and present a compelling case for his message, and he was the embodiment of truth, he, he was God in the flesh, if he had to do that, well, how much more will our message as we present his claims uh, and his life and testimony and ministry, how much more will we run into opposition and the need as he did to be able to articulate a good, compelling defense for our message. Did Jesus Christ use apologetics? And what exactly is apologetics anyway? Today, Pat Zuckerman answers that question. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zuckerman. Thank you so much for joining us for this discussion. And it's based on Pat's new book, The Apologetics of Jesus, co-authored by Dr. Norman Geisler. On today's show, you'll gain some valuable insight on Jesus' methodology when he presented and defended his claims. In fact, I bet you'll see some things you may have never noticed. Jesus used philosophy, logic, reason, history, and many other methods when he communicated. By the way, I suggest you get a copy of The Apologetics of Jesus at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. You'll help support Evidence and Answers as we take the greatest message of all time to the nations. That's evidenceandanswers.org. While you're at the website, browse the terrific resources we have available. You can download past shows, read Dr. Zuckerman's articles, and find information on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism at evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Well, Pat, you've done it again. You've written another book with a person that a lot of people have heard of, especially in the area of theology, philosophy, and apologetics, Dr. Norman Geisler. Is this book number three for you? Yes, this one's number three, but this is the first one that has been picked up by Baker Publishing, one of the biggest Christian publishing houses in the world. So we're really excited about this book. And it was really exciting to do it with probably one of the great apologists of our time, Dr. Norman Geisler. So it was a real privilege to write on this subject and to write with a guy like Dr. Norman Geisler. Congratulations. You've mm -hmm. been picked up by a, a major publisher. It's a fantastic book and it's called The Apologetics of Jesus. I don't recall a book on this topic being written, not specifically. So this is very timely. It's gotten endorsements from major apologists and spokesmen for the Christian faith, including Josh McDowell. Who else? Yes, J.P. Moreland, Gary Habermas, and Dr. Ron Rhodes, and John Ankerberg. And Kevin, you are right. In the 2,000-year history of the church, which is, it, and it's hard to believe, no one has, that we know of, has written on this subject. So this is the first book on the subject of the apologetic method of Jesus. Well, I want you to answer two questions as we begin here, Pat. First of all, what is apologetics? And second of all, why did this book need to be written? Great questions, Kevin. You know, apologetics is the art and science of defending Christianity's truth claims. And really, there's four purposes for apologetics. It's to communicate truth, God's truth, to clarify God's truth when there is misunderstanding or false teaching, to challenge unbelief, 
and to confirm faith through the use of evidence and reason. And uh, that's the uh, four roles of apologetics. And why did this book need to be written? Well, first of all, as we mentioned, there hasn't been a book written on this subject. And if Jesus Christ is our model for Christian living, and if he was the master apologist, why not a book on his apologetic method by which we can study his method, but also glean some valuable insights in which we can apply in sharing Christ and also in the defense of the faith. Well, Pat, it's about time it was written. You know, several people have written books on Paul's apologetics. Paul used apologetics uh, in all his his writings. And when he stood in Acts 17 on Mars Hill, that's what he was doing. He was doing apologia, or the defense of the Christian faith. Right. And Kevin, apologetics was an essential component in the ministry of Jesus. You know, Jesus did not expect men and women to believe in a message that was not rational or void of compelling reasons and evidence. You know, he understood that we are designed as rational beings and we make decisions based on reason and evidence. We do that every day. And Jesus, being our creator, understood this and presents reasons and evidence upon which we make our decisions. And many Christians don't realize but apologetics was an essential component in the ministry of Jesus. And if it was in his ministry, it should be in our ministries as well. You know, like I said earlier, apologetics seeks to communicate truth, clarify God's truth, challenge unbelief, and confirm the faith. And throughout Jesus' ministry, these four things were often seen in the message he was presenting. And Jesus knew that his claim to be the divine Son of God would be met with opposition and skepticism. He didn't expect people to believe something that was irrational or unreasonable or without any kind of evidence. Therefore, he knew he had to present a compelling case for his claim. And Kevin, he did a wonderful job and his apologetic method of how he defended his claim is worth being studied and learned from. And he had some rough opposition too. I mean, the the debates that he was constantly having to be engaged in from religious fanatics, from religious experts, from religious scholars, brilliant people. Jesus really had his work cut out for him, didn't he? Right. I mean, if the divine Son of God, if God incarnate had to defend his message and present a compelling case for his message, and he was the embodiment of truth, he he was God in the flesh, if he had to do that, well, how much more will our message as we present his claims Uh, and his life and testimony and ministry, how much more will we run into opposition and the need, as he did, to be able to articulate a good, compelling defense for our message? The book is The Apologetics of Jesus by Pat Zuckerin and Norm Geisler, who wrote the book. Uh, What are some ways Jesus uses apologetics in his ministry? Well, there's several ways we see he uses apologetics, and we go through them throughout the book. One is found in John chapter 5, and in this writing, in in this chapter, this is one of the strongest defense Christ makes about his claim to be the divine Son of God. You know, in chapter 5, we start in verse 16, uh, Jesus claims to be the divine Son of God. I mean, he claims an intimate, special relationship with God. And in verses 19 through 24, you know, Jesus states he doesn't act on his own initiative, but in perfect union with the Father. And he claims the authority to give life, you know, an authority that only God has. 
And so, of course, these claims offended his hearers, and they were looking for reasons to condemn Jesus for these claims. They're looking for reasons why Jesus would make these kind of claims, what gives him the authority to make these kinds of claims. And Jesus then presents his defense as a lawyer brings forth his witnesses before the judge and before the jury. This is what Jesus does. So imagine, you know, a courtroom kind of setting Mm -hmm. and Jesus here is bringing forth his witnesses in his defense. And so one of the uh, apologetic methods of Jesus is the testimony of witnesses. And if you read in John 5, he calls forth several witnesses versus John the Baptist. And the people in Israel, the leaders recognized him as a powerful prophet of God. And Jesus says, John the Baptist testified of me. Then he brings forth his second witness, his works, the miracles that he does. And one of the things Jews understand is that God does not associate his miracles with a false message. Miracles are a way in which God confirms his message and his messengers. And therefore, miracles that come from God will not be associated with a false prophet or a false message. And the miracles that Christ does testifies as a witness to his claims. Then he brings up a third witness, is God the Father. And he may be referring to Uh, the miracles that are done in the name of God, or perhaps maybe at his baptism, when the voice came down from heaven saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Then he brings up his fourth witness, the Old Testament scriptures. He says, you search the scriptures, but it is these scriptures that testify of me. So the prophecies of the Old Testament regarding the nature and work of the Messiah Christ is fulfilling each one of them. And he says, if you search the scriptures, you will see that the Old Testament testifies of me. Wow, this is very brilliant of Jesus, isn't it? Because his opponents here and his hearers believed in God the Father, and they believed in the Old Testament scriptures, and he's using them as proof of who he is. Right. You know, and the final witness he brings forth is Moses, the greatest of the prophets of Israel. I really believed him. Yeah. Right. So there you go. You've got... Five witnesses he brings forth, and the power of his argument is seen in the character and integrity of his witnesses. And what more powerful witnesses could he have called in that context than those five? And so you see, Jesus is not saying, well, you know, just believe me by faith, or just make an irrational leap in the dark. When he is challenged to defend his claim, he presents an apologetic defense, bringing forth some of the most powerful witnesses to testify, to stand as a witness to the uh, integrity and authority of the claims that he is making. What are some lessons we can learn from this, from Jesus' methodology here of using witnesses as apologetics? Yes, you know, there's a lot we can learn in our witnessing when we engage a lost world for Christ. And one of the lessons we learn is that the strength of one's defense is in the character of his witnesses. And Christ brought forth five of the most powerful witnesses that he could have brought in that context. And so, as Christians who are witnessing for Christ, we want to use the testimony of witnesses of high quality and integrity. And one of the greatest witnesses we can bring forth is the New Testament, the historical work of proven integrity. 
And uh, so not only do we have the testimony of people who have come to know Jesus Christ, but also the testimony of the New Testament, which is a historically accurate work written by first century eyewitnesses, a work that is of proven integrity and to be able to defend the authority and integrity of the witness of the New Testament is vital for Christians as they present their case for Jesus Christ. All right, Pat, so we have the apologetics of testimony of Jesus. What's another apologetic of Jesus? Well, another one he uses is the apologetics of miracles. And we know that miracles are used by God to confirm his message and his messengers. You know, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Also, John chapter 3, you know, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and he tells Jesus, he says, we know you must be from God for no one can do these works unless they are sent by God. And so Nicodemus, as all the Jews, should have recognized the connection between miracles and God's confirming hand upon a person. Only God can perform true miracles and God would not confirm messages that are not true or endorse a false prophet. And the miracles Jesus did confirm his authority over every realm of creation. You know, Jesus demonstrates his omniscience in John chapter 1 and John chapter 4, knowing things about people that only a few would know, but they meet Jesus for the first time and he seems to know all these things about them. Uh, he demonstrated authority over the natural world, calming the storm, you know, in Luke chapter 8. He showed himself to be Jehovah the healer, healing of all kinds of disease, showing authority over all kinds of disease. Over the spiritual realm, casting out demons, having authority over the spiritual realm. Uh, he showed himself to be Jehovah the provider, you know, Matthew 14, feeding of the 5,000. He demonstrated authority over sin, Mark chapter 2. And he demonstrated that he was indeed the source of life. On a few occasions, he resurrected people from the dead. John 11, uh, the raising of Lazarus from the dead is one of the most famous stories. And in his defense, John chapter 10, when he is questioned by the authorities, Jesus points to his miracles. And in Matthew chapter 11, when John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and and at this time, John the Baptist is in prison, and he may be questioning, is, was this guy really the Messiah? Uh, the disciples of John come to Jesus and, and ask him, are you the one, or are we supposed to be waiting for another one? And Jesus responds. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Jesus here is pointing to the testimony of his miracles. Mm. Yeah. Boy, even his opponents said, we're not stoning you for the good things and for the miracles you do. We're stoning you for claiming to be God, John chapter 10. So, mm -hmm. boy, even his enemies admitted that he did these miraculous works. Right. They could, they could not deny that he did powerful works. Even uh, the Jewish Talmud you know, attributes it to sorcery and magic. But, you know, that's significant that the Talmud would even mention, you know, what they believe to be a heretic like Jesus, but they could not deny he did powerful works. They somehow had to explain it away. Oh, wow. Well, Pat, I haven't done any miracles lately, uh, but I do love to use apologetics 
and evangelism, but what are some practical applications that uh, we can gain from this chapter? Well, you know, first of all, um, miracles set Christ apart from any other person in history. You know, and we know that these miracles are not myths. They're written by first century eyewitness accounts, far too early to be any kinds of myths. And that separate Jesus from all other men in history. You know, Buddha does no miracles. Muhammad does no miracles. Confucius does no miracles. Only Christ does miracles, demonstrating his authority over every realm of creation. We're talking about Pat's new book, The Apologetics of Jesus, published by Baker, co-written by Norman Geisler. So we have Jesus using the apologetics of testimony, witnesses, miracles. What else? What's What's another methodology of Jesus here? The third one here is the resurrection. You know, the resurrection is the ultimate apologetic that Jesus is who he indeed claimed to be, the divine Son of God. And what makes this very unique is that on numerous occasions, Jesus predicted his death and his resurrection. You know, in Matthew chapter 12, you know, he stated, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, predicting uh, his death and resurrection. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, after the great confession of Peter, Christ predicts his death and resurrection. John chapter 2, the famous statement that he made, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Jesus predicted his death and his resurrection. And in fact, even the Old Testament predicts the death and resurrection of the Messiah. You know, Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22. And not only, you know, was the death and resurrection of Jesus predicted, but also numerous events surrounding his death and resurrection. Psalm 22, that the Messiah would be pierced. Zechariah 11, that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, Isaiah 53, that he would be assigned a grave with the rich, but also with the wicked. You know, Deuteronomy 21, that he would be hung on a tree. And so these events are also predicted in the Old Testament, and the resurrection was foundational in the preaching of the apostles. And Jesus Christ predicted his death and his resurrection, and he also accomplished it. Powerful. It's, uh, you know, the resurrection is, is a miracle, but it kind of belongs in a category all its own. Well, another apologetic that Jesus uses is the apologetic of his prophetic legacy. You know, even to this day, when we point to the authority of Scripture and the deity and uniqueness of Christ, we point to the legacy of prophecy. And Deuteronomy 18 teaches the valuable test of a true prophet, that a prophet predicts things of future events and they come to pass and he is correct 100% of the time. And that's what you would expect from the divine Son of God if God is omniscient and he knows all and he is eternal, he is beyond time, that he would be able to predict the future things that would come to pass. In fact, God says that in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 and 10. He says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times and what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And so... God being omniscient, knowing all, is able to predict future events and they come to pass 100% of the time. And Jesus was aware 
that during his ministry, he was indeed fulfilling prophecy that was predicted of him. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus knew throughout his ministry that his life was fulfilling prophecy. In fact, in Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus is being arrested, he looks at those who are arresting him, and he says, Why are you coming in the dark of night? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching you, and you did not arrest me. But then in verse 56, he says this, But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. So Christ knew that he was indeed fulfilling prophecy through his life and ministry. And remember, there were prophecies that he fulfilled that were beyond any human control. The place of his birth, you know, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 said he would be born in Bethlehem. The manner of his birth, you know, born of a virgin, Isaiah chapter 7. And there were other prophecies that were beyond uh, human control. And Jesus fulfills over 100 prophecies made of him centuries before he sets foot upon the earth. Well, Pat, there's so much to this book, The Apologetics mm-hmm. of Jesus, that you've written with Norm Geisler. And it's from Baker Books. Uh, we want to continue this in another show. I want to remind everyone that they can get both parts, parts one and two, on the apologetics of Jesus when you go to evidenceandanswers.org, evidenceandanswers.org. Uh, Pat, thank you for writing this book. Um, as we conclude today, what was it like to to write this book? And as I understand, it was uh, it was from your PhD dissertation. Yes, you know, it was my doctoral dissertation, and uh, it was very uh, intimidating to write this book, but also I learned a ton about apologetics and the proper use of apologetics and how Jesus used apologetics. It was very, very insightful uh, in how to approach an unbelieving world and how to build good arguments and a good witness and when to use different styles of witnessing and apologetics according to your audience, which Jesus modeled very, very carefully. And so it was a great uh, study for me in learning how to be a more effective teacher and communicator and defender of truth. And I think to all who are going to read this, it'll be tremendously insightful as you learn how Jesus powerfully presented his case to be the divine son of God. Outstanding. And even people who uh, have never read books on apologetics and have never taken much of an interest in it, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should really read this book about him and get um, an additional insight into just what it was that he did when he confronted opposition and uh, when he confronted those who, uh, who were his enemies, as well as those who, who loved him and what he did. The Apologetics of Jesus is from Baker Books. Pat, we uh, want to continue this next time. What are some things that we're going to discuss next time as we continue this look at your new book? Well, in part two, we'll look at the other apologetic methods that Jesus used, a prophecy. That's a good one. A fun one on reason. You know, a lot of people don't realize that Jesus was a great philosopher as well and some other principles. And then I think on a third show, Kevin, we're going to look at some alleged anti-apologetic passages. There are some who believe you cannot reason with unbelievers. You cannot reason or use logical arguments or evidences to bring people into the kingdom of God. And so we're going to take I a look. I hate at, it when people say that. I mean, right. <laughs> here and, are my reasons for why 
You don't need right. reasons. <laughs> right. All you got to do, reason that all you you do is just share Jesus yeah. or something. Or, yeah. You know, or just quote the Bible and let the Holy Spirit go to work. Well, if you look at the method of Jesus, that was not his method. And we're going to look at some verses that some take to use as uh, verses uh, that I call, you know, alleged anti-apologetic of verses. So there should be some very interesting shows and topics that we're going to cover. It's available from Baker Books. It's The Apologetics of Jesus, yeah. past new book. All right, Pat, we've talked about the book, but I don't think we've talked about where you can get it. Available mm-hmm. everywhere and on the website? Uh, hot off the press at any Christian bookstore you can pick it up, or Barnes & Nobles probably, or uh, Amazon.com. But I think maybe one of the best places to go is our website, evidenceandanswers.org, and you'll receive a great discount when you order from our website at evidenceandanswers.org. Well, we have run out of time, so let's pick it up there next time on Evidence and Answers. By the way, if you want to keep a quality apologetics program on the air and on the web, please support Evidence and Answers with your prayers and financial gifts. One of the ways you can do that is by purchasing the many resources we have online, including Pat's new book with Norman Geisler, the apologetics of jesus so check out our website evidenceandanswers.org that's evidenceandanswers.org and you can also invite pat to speak at your next event church campus or conference on the most crucial issues facing the world today and how the christian worldview provides the best answers to the best questions that's evidenceandanswers.org be sure and join us again for evidence and answers with pat zuckerman